But so yeah, so it should feel like deja vu. I believe most of you guys were there. I know I definitely chatted with Brian last go around. Yeah, I'm the the mainstay. <laughs> um, and uh, Vince was also in the band. Uh, Adam is still in the band. The the new member is Joe on bass, who replaced Seth, um, who was on the chat with us, but he's he left the band in uh, January. Want want so the the episode aired in December, and by January he was like, "Screw this!" <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, Joe, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be here. <laughs> Great to have you. I like your beard. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> this is Perfect. The, uh, it's the quarantine beard and quarantine hair, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, true story, because I was chatting with a guy from Finland who had a beard that went down to his belly button and it was braided in like six different places. And I was like, man, how do you do that? And he's like, what do you mean? You just grow it and don't stop growing it. <laughs> I was like, but during when I was in lockdown and I was laid off, I tried to grow a beard. And by like day three or four, my wife came in like a ninja and was like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? What's going on with your face? What do you mean what's going on with my face? You're, you're not growing a beard, are you? I'm like, what? No. no, I'm not growing a beard. What are you talking about? By day yeah. six, she's like, that's enough. Stop it. That sucks. <laughs> I, I'm glad I don't have that issue with my girlfriend because I hate shaving. <laughs> I don't know. I keep it trimmed, but I, I hate shaving all the way down. Yeah, like mm-hmm. shave. Yeah. yeah, that's rough. You get all the, you know. Well, it's worse for people that don't shave very often. That's why it, like when you do shave it all the way down, then it just gets mm-hmm. super irritated. Yeah. A razor burn. It's like there's a terminal threshold for where you can. Uh, yeah. uh, he said the thing. From the, the from thing. the other thing, <laughs> yeah, it's total ironclad torment when you try to get the. Wow, yeah, this architects of genocide. That's that's what I would call the people who do the shaving. <laughs> the shaving stuff. Uh, Groovy, let's rock and roll. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I am your host, John Harris. On my right hand side is usually my right hand man, Gabriel, but he is in school, or maybe he's out of school. He's not. He's not here, but he'll be here in spirit. If he runs in, though, he'll say hi. Um, which case I think if you remember, Brian, you guys probably chatted with, uh, Gabriel the last time we did. I, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. He cool. ran in and out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like him. You might do that again today. Uh, changes since we last chatted. Uh, he's, he's now six instead of five and he now has a little sister who is three months old. So I heard Curtis told me you had a newborn. Congrats. Well, yeah. You know, thank you. And thanks to Curtis. I didn't know that, uh, Curtis knew that, but Curtis, thank you so much. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Whoa. <laughs> when did I tell Curtis that? Oh, it doesn't matter. Just imagine like a creepy picture of Curtis popping in. Bling. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, today on the Rock and Roll Podcast, we have, and I'm just curious, is it Last Rain or The Last Rain? The Last Rain. The Last Rain. Yeah. Okay. It's- Really embarrassing of me to say that in the middle of the introduction. How do I say what's your what's your name band name again? Uh, no, I know your last. <laughs> the last rain. I just wanted to double check. Is it last rain or the last rain? Uh, so today on the Rockwell Podcast, we have the last rain, and they've got a new album called Evolution, which is released on September 18th. And at the time of recording that, it's in approximately four days. Um, when this airs, will obviously be past tense. But right now, I'm being joined by everybody in the band who is important. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so boys 
boys. Brian Jovens, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Absolutely great to have you on. Now, last time around, we spent a, a great deal of time just chatting about uh, chicken wings, and I figured we would probably just resume that conversation. It would be the evolution <laughs> of our conversation. I mean, I have evolved because I make my own hot sauce now. Ooh! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gabriel walked in the room. Did you want to join the conversation, kiddo? No? Okay. Uh, now my heart has sank. But you make your own hot sauce, so that kind of brings it back up. Where there once was no horizon on the following dark, I now see an hourglass. So let's talk about the genesis of your hot sauce making. <laughs> uh, well, it was something that I always wanted to do, and and finally kind of bit the bullet and made one batch of like a jalapeno hot sauce just to kind of uh, dip my toes in a little bit. And um, then I made a batch with uh, habanero, um, lime, and uh, fresh honey from my friend's apiary. And uh, it was a hit. I already have like 10 orders of this stuff. Wow. Yeah, it tastes, it's it's hot, obviously, because it's habanero, but it's got a, a really solid sweetness to it. And um, so eventually, I'll, once I start getting more and more variations then i'm gonna like bottle and label them and everything and, and kind of try to mass market but obviously there's a lot of lines of red tape to do that mm -hmm. i imagine so you can start small maybe like at uh what do you call those things those food markets the yeah, farmers, farmers markets. markets that's yeah that's basically where i would start um because i wouldn't be able to sell it like over the internet or anything, because the, the, the FCC regulations when it comes to stuff like that is you actually need to use an approved kitchen. And mine obviously won't be, but they actually have places in the area where you can rent a kitchen that is for the day. And then you're essentially certified to sell that product. Yeah. Yeah. Something similar here. You need to have a commercial space. Right. And it could be your basement. It just has to be physically separate from where, you know, my kids and my dog are. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, habanero, lime, and honey from a local apiary, which gets me all on fire because uh, what, is, what florality is the honey? What kind of local flowers have his bees been on? So, therefore, what does the honey taste like? And then what does that do to the hot sauce? Uh, hmm. Um, I mean, my friend that runs the apiary runs a mile a minute when he talks. So like, I've been so <laughs> overloaded with information about bees that I ever thought I would know <laughs> to retain a lot of it is, is quite difficult. So I do not have an answer to the first question, which was the, the type of flowers and stuff like that. You said that they pollinate, right? Yeah. Cause that. Um, will change how the honey tastes. Sure. And, uh, but I know as of now, he's at about 40,000 honeybees mm -hmm. um, and a couple different sec homes, I guess, or, you know, each thing. And, and, um, but he has his own big backyard and everything that, that does have a lot of, he's even talking about planting different plants to be pollinated, to get a different taste in the honey. Um, the one that I have used in my hot sauce right now is, uh, it's kind of like a very smooth sweetness. Um, doesn't really have any bitterness to it. It's kind of like a lighter color. Uh, and I just think it gives it that kind of 
it's not I, it's not like super potent. You're definitely going to get a lot more of the habanero, but what's really neat about it is you get hit with the sweet right out the gate, and then it's almost like the habanero is kind of takes you off guard because you're not expecting it to be so hot. But it's one of those sauces where like some of the people that bought it from me aren't even heat fiends like I am, but they all it's one of those sauces that even though it's hot, they keep eating it. And I think it does provide kind of a unique flavor. And that's kind of my idea with all the hot sauces I'm going to do. I'm going to pick a pepper, a a tart fruit, like a a lime or a a grapefruit, and then a unique fruit uh, where like right now I'm going to my next two test batches are going to be jalapeno, lemon, and uh, kiwi. Uh, the next one is going to be scorpion pepper, uh, grapefruit, and dragon fruit. Um, and these two peppers specifically, I've grown myself, so I started growing my own peppers too. You're a renegade. Uh, what? You're a renegade. You're a rebel. Oh, right. You're growing. <laughs> growing. They yeah. Say you're saying, and I grew the kiwis myself too. Like, whoa. Yeah. right i wish i mean too far when eventually when i have a bigger house and backyard i would like to actually grow all of the ingredients that i'll be putting in my salsas and salsas and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, that's salsas yeah that's plans brian's got plans a couple salsa batches that people have enjoyed but not anything particular yet i haven't Mm -hmm. read any of them groovy Next couple of questions, then, because you mentioned hot, sweet, and savory, and I was thinking, no horizon kind of comes in, comes in hot. Yeah, it does. Technically, fall and dark and no horizon were almost written as one song, um, but no horizon does start right out, right out the gate with a with a blast beat buildup. Well, that would make sense because if it's dark, you can't see the horizon, so it's like there isn't one. Right. Right. <laughs> Now, I'm not sure if you were aware of this when Curtis filled you in, but the, the album will be complemented by a book, too. Okay. Now, that mean, that leads me into the immediate next thing of take us through this book slash album, I guess, concept, theme, story, what have you. Is it a follow-along? Is it complementary to? Take us through it. So the book is basically complementary to the music where it just kind of expands the story. So the the songs are essentially based on chapters in the book. So it's just kind of a, a musical representation of what you're reading uh, in a obviously in a more limited form and then so if you read along obviously the lyrics with the music you can kind of get a a neat idea of how the story plays out and then you can expand that it's kind of like the extended editions of lord of the rings um which the lord of the rings are good but the extended editions are better so reading the novel could give you a more whole experience to the the album and the and the music I just imagined, I mean, obviously um, bars aren't open and things, but you'd be like out at a bar somewhere. I know you wouldn't be talking to girls because obviously you're a, you're a taken man, but just like, you know, talking to girls at a bar and be like, no, it's like Lord of the Rings, girl. Like, you don't even know. It's, it's like the extended edition. I make hot sauces. You want to hang out? <laughs> hey, 
Chicks dig uh, dudes that can cook. Oh, that's for sure. Nah, I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> part of the reason why my wife dug her claws in and uh, won't let me leave. But um, cool. Okay, so we've got a chapter per song, so 12 chapters in this book. So there's lyrics, but then there's also these accompanying stories. Is there an accompanying hot sauce also <laughs> as well? Like, while you're listening to Genesis, I want you to try this jalapeno hot sauce that started it all for me. And then you go into the next one, Evolution of a Decaying Race. Mm-hmm. And you say, this one's got habanero lime and honey in it and we know bees aren't a decaying race that's why they're evolving or something actually take me into that <laughs> which uh which part uh, well annihilation of the ancients for some reason i thought of the bees because oh. the bees would be the ancients and, okay i don't know smoking them is kind of like annihilating them but it's not really they're just putting them to sleep so right. you can go you can take their honey from them <laughs> I feel like we get, torment would be uh, probably your last dab sauce. Your uh, oh, like hot ones, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that fallen dark might be kind of like your uh, your kind of you know your cool down period before uh, before it's crazy again. <laughs> yeah, I, I can think see ironclad. You're actually going to be putting a hot sauce in your eyes. <laughs> mm. Maybe I'll have to consider that for the next album. Uh, mm-hmm. A hot sauce accompanying each track on the next album. Uh, now we got to give them royalties for the idea. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. All right. Uh, I only request that there is a fermented hot sauce or one that has a spice uh, compendium, such as ginger, coriander, something like that. Okay. That's cool. Those are those are some like root stuff that I haven't really messed with too much, other than just regular cooking. But... Uh, I have seen hot sauces with those ingredients, and I mean they're usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's right, baby. It's the next. It's the next uh, st- evolution in the step of your hot sauce and uh, yeah. salsa making. Yeah, sure. Those kind of things would probably be a little bit better in salsas. Um, like I, my one of the main ingredients in the salsa that I did make was a uh, dill. I love dill. And okay, uh, yeah, heavy on the dill and garlic. Wow. Okay, did you pull that out of your driveway too, or the dill? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. But uh, dill and garlic are actually relatively easy to grow. But, I know it grows in my driveway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't done that yet. All right, because it's a weed. Anybody out there doesn't know that dill is a weed? It's a weed. It grows on the side of the highway, and then people pick it and then charge you money for it. It's kind of funny <laughs> how the whole thing works. Right. <laughs> And uh, we grew garlic, actually, last winter, and we bought, like, 30 different cloves of garlic from a garlic farm and wanted to see which ones took, and all 30 took. So now we have a bathtub full of garlic. We've been giving people garlic. (laughs) That's awesome. How do you use your bathtub? Or do you have two? (laughs) We we have two bathtubs. So it was, uh, yeah, the downstairs bathtub was looking quite autumnal for a little while there. At least you don't have to worry about vampires. Nah. We will no, we will not. Um, <laughs> my favorite question, though, only one person asked this question. I said, "Hey, you know, we grew some garlic. Did you want some?" And they looked at me and said, "Well, what does it taste like?" And I said, it tastes like <laughs> garlic. <laughs> Here, why don't you take a bite of it like an apple? Yeah, and see yeah. what you think. Try it out. There you like go. Cotton candy garlic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Boom. That's an annihilation of the ancients. Okay, so then take us through this storyline as an arc. We have a literal genesis. That's the first track. And then 
we have, I'm guessing, a really bad ending. But I mean, just I'm just saying because it's a long song. There must be some serious conflict going on in in the only eight minute song. Uh, that's Architects of Genocide. You're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like the last track on the album. Um, it's yeah. It's basically just kind of like summing up the whole story and and because the the general gist of the story is the just the destruction of life by our own means and then it's a a race that's trying to find new life and they board a shuttle actually i'll let vince feel the rest of this one sure (laughs) so um it's kind of like a almost like a battlestar galactica meets event horizon um so yeah the the human race is dying uh they have all congregated onto a ship uh spoilers for the book by the way sorry guys um he can bleep them out yeah yeah you can selectively edit um so yeah they are um seeking to get into another plane of existence and everyone is promised to be transcend into these energy beings and you know kind of become ethereal avengers um not everybody's buying that. It may not be what it seems, uh, as you Doesn't can imagine. Doesn't sound like it at all. It goes <laughs> poorly. Uh, they uh, they bite off a little more than they can chew, and uh, then we need to deal with the consequences of our decisions. Um, if you've actually read Expanse a little bit, it was um, it or seen the show. There are some elements of that in there, which is interesting to me because the writer of this book. Uh, had not seen it or read it and came to some of these same plot lines on his own. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a mix of a couple distinctly awesome things and turns into its own awesome thing. Kind of like a hot sauce made out of multiple ingredients. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the book and the CD, like they will follow the stories roughly. There is more story than there is album. Um, while like most of the song titles match up with, uh, book chapters, there are, Additional book chapters that just you know we didn't quite have it in us for a uh, for a double album I don't think, <laughs> but uh, yeah I think it's going to be fun I think you should grab a copy uh, when it comes out and uh, run through it. Yeah, that that sounds lovely. I mean that's something that doesn't happen often. Obviously, concept albums are nothing new, and that right. takes an awful lot of work. Uh, but to actually go that extra mile and, and write a book that potentially even as it sounds like has more stories. So maybe there's a foreshadow into what the next album will entail. Sure. I don't know. The, uh, we're, I can tell you one thing that is, uh, for the third album, even if we decide to revisit evolution, it will not be on the third album. The third album, I just want it to be like each song separate on its own, very kind of hard, fast, melodic songs, kind of like, you know, Chain Heart Machine meets Colony. I heard that they have met each other at one point. <laughs> it's been a while. pow. <laughs> there was a, a meme that I just saw recently. I don't remember. It was on probably on Facebook somewhere like that or whatever, but it was just like a grandma in the walker saying in flames used to make good albums. <laughs> oh, wow. Obviously Ouch. making fun of how the legit fans are fucking old. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not every day you realize that, uh, Oh, geez, Louise. <laughs> um, you know, that was, Colony was what 20 or 20 or 25 years ago? Yes. 
It was 99, 98, 98 or 99. So that would be over. No, yeah, no, 22 20, years ago. Yeah. 22 years. Mm-hmm. Clayman just hit 20, so this yeah. had to be before that. Yeah, yeah. Clayman, 2000. I, was, uh, I confused it for a second with, uh, with Clayman. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, last time when bands were allowed to tour, uh, in Flames came through and I sat down with Bjorn and we actually got on the topic of, you know, what fans want him to play versus what he wants to play, et cetera, et cetera. And mm. It was a unique, unique conversation, obviously, but um, <laughs> something I also kind of shared with uh, Arch Enemy when they came through, because similar, similar token, you know, how do you how do you span a career over 25 plus years uh, and uh, try new things and try and hold on to fans and whatever else? Because. I don't know. I guess some people can write the same album over and over and over again, but uh, it's hard yeah. for most people realistically. Sure. I think there are some bands that are relatively successful with it, that they don't have too many pitfalls in their discography. I've got a great In Flames uh, set list story. Um, actually, I, I probably shouldn't say it's a great story until you hear it. But um, they came through Niagara Falls uh, on our side a couple of years ago, and uh, you know back when shows exist, might have been the same tour. And they had um, Chris Broderick playing guitar. Um, yeah, with- same show. So same one, yeah. So every song, I mean, this this show started three hours late. That definitely was a disaster. But once they played, it was good. Uh, all the audience wanted was Trigger over and over and over again between every song. Trigger, trigger. He tells them, it's like, well, you know, we, we've, we, we don't have Trigger ready for today. And then, you know, next song, Trigger, Trigger. And he's, he's like, he learned like 25 songs for us. Trigger was, was none of them, you know. <laughs> he's like, next time we come to Buffalo, we'll just come on stage, play 12 times Trigger, and then leave. And uh, <laughs> it was an experience. So, oh, my God. Uh, the fans want to hear Trigger. What a wow. Song too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it, but I don't want to hear it 12 times. That was funny because I was backstage and I I heard that Chris was uh, looming around, but I did not uh, see him. And then after I was finished chatting with Bjorn and I was talking to his tour manager, uh, Chris came around the corner and I was like, oh, this is cool. Find myself here at this random moment in time. I have a very funny story regarding Chris Broderick. uh, And it's not super long. So I went to see Iced Earth, another In Flame show, and Jag Panzer on tour up in Toronto. And this was when Iced Earth was on their horror show tour. Uh, it was just before Reroute. And I believe Mechanized Warfare was the Jag Panzer album. And so I was, after the show, hanging out outside, which is what I would always do, just hang out a couple hours, hoping the guys would come out. And Jag Panzer was out, and this is back when Chris Broderick was in the band. And I'm just shooting the shit with the whole band and uh <laughs> eventually we get to taking photos and i ended up getting a photo with broderick and harry conklin the singer holding me upside down by my feet <laughs> i could see that Next i could up. see that happening yeah <laughs> it was pretty great <laughs> now speaking of other things happening i see that there is a kickstarter page for the album release it looks like you guys are close to your goal at the time of recording there's three days left to go i'm always mm-hmm. curious about uh kickstarters uh gofundmes that kind of thing because i know we're old old guys uh like 15 years ago it was like all the rage every single band was doing some kind of a please give me money so that i could make you know my record sort of thing yeah 
but it kind of seems to have died out, but it seems like it's starting to come back up again and I'm seeing a little bit more often. Well, you know, the thing that uh, I think, what was it, Allegion did one that they kind of got a bit of flack for because they basically stated, if you don't fund us, we're not making the album. Now, we're not doing that. Like, we're putting this album out and getting the merch and all that shit anyways. It's just, this is more of a pre-order where it's going to help give us a little money up front. Where I don't appreciate it is the route they went. Because, well, that means you don't want to make music anymore. Like, you could still make music and not necessarily release it. Or, or just release it digitally and things like that, which don't really cost much. I mean, I know recording costs a lot of money, but... Um, so, it, when I originally brought up doing a Kickstarter, I had done it once in a different band years ago. And it was a similar conversation then and it was with us. And so I, I understand both sides of it, um, especially doing one right now during COVID times, you know, asking for money. I mean, the most people that are donating on it are people that would have bought something anyways. And that's kind of more what we were mostly what our audience was going to be anyways. Okay. Um, I mean, it seems, um, what is it? Uh, just around over three grand Canadian. Probably works out to be about three grand US too. Ish. Our, our goal was 2,500. 2,500. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Um, what does that cover? <laughs> and go ahead. Um, so it's kind of tough because again, we, we pre-funded, like we self-funded everything so far. Um, so this is not to reimburse ourselves at all. This is for the next stage of it. So one of the great things, one of the things that I came to really like about the Kickstarter is it kind of lets people vote with their wallet and gives you an idea of who wants what and what quantities before you make any purchases. So the number of shirts we buy will, will kind of vary on how many people order them, you know, the CDs and that type of thing. So um, what's next for it? Uh, it's going to fund the initial purchases of the merch stuff, which obviously will want quantities beyond just the, the people that ordered. Um, if we can get into it, I'd like to get into like stage lighting, a little more professional setup there. Um, and then, uh, you know, towards a music video, that type of thing. So kind of this, the, the non-music release costs that are associated with releasing an album like this. So that's the hope. Okay, yeah. cool. Because I was going to say 2,500, that gets you like one song mixed. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> I know. We Go ahead. I was just going to say, if you're doing it through, through uh, depending on who you're, who's mixing your record kind of thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, that'll get you just the mixing, usually. We actually do have a notable name who mixed and mastered our album, and I'm going to totally screw up his last name, but it's Mendel Beige Delige. I believe, and he was the guitar player for Aborted for a number of years, and he uh, is now doing solo stuff and doing a lot of engineering on people's music. So here's a question for you. Maybe I picked your guys' brain on this one last time, but especially with wanting to create the uh, connection between uh, the those two, that soil work and that In Flames record from the early days, I mean, Freddie's available. He needs the work. Why don't you go chat up Freddie's skirt and ask Mr. Nordstrom if he wants to mix your record or even when the borders open up, fly over to, to Gothenburg and, and hang out in his studio and be inspired by the very guy who engineered that whole sound. Um, well, that was actually the plan for a long time 
to use him, it was going to be 4500 for him to mix and master and reamp the album. And then when it came time to utilize his talents, there was uh, some not great communication. I don't know if he was, he mentioned at one point he was having issues with his Facebook messenger, but I'd even emailed and things like that. Just, there wasn't a lot of great communication there and we needed the album to get done. Um, so we ended up going with somebody else, uh, unfortunately, but however, I did have a conversation with a different friend of mine who was the one that, uh, recorded, mixed and mastered our debut expulsion from paradise. He made a pretty good, note that although yeah he it would still sound pretty decent just sending the files off to Nordstrom he did say that you really get the sound by being there by being with him by recording with him and so that he's provided as also a producer and making suggestions on the fly while you're recording and I totally understood that standpoint so maybe in the future if we possibly get some label support or something like that it I would consider it (laughs) Sorry, you just said label support. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's a true story. Speaking of uh, Kickstarter, I was chatting with a band recently who was on a large label in Europe, and they were coming out with their third album. They had a two-album deal. They were going to go to renegotiate for a, at least a third album, and the label, who is a well-known, well-respected label, said, here's 5,000 euro, and if you take it, you can use it to make a third album with us. So they went and they did a Kickstarter and they walked away with 17 grand US. Wow. And they just said, I think we know our direction now. Huh. That's fair. And I, you know what? If we had, and all this PR stuff we're doing, we're hoping that just to kind of get a wider reach. I mean, re- I really just want people to, to, to hear the album, you know? And, and that's, the, that's the unfortunate thing. It's, it's very difficult to, get the outreach and we're, we're, we did a pretty big PR campaign. We, we got in a few uh, European magazines that uh, will hopefully help with a bit of that. And like I said, maybe, maybe by the next album, if we do a Kickstarter that we'll get more than just our, you know, parents (laughs) donating on and pledging. (laughs) That that works, um, you know. We, we don't, did don't be one. devoid of luminosity on that one. Yeah, uh, I was waiting for it. I was like, he's got it. He's got it ready. <laughs> we actually did get one person that is a strict fan from Japan. Actually, that fan from Japan pledged, which was part of kind of cool. I think there might be one or two others that I'm not familiar, but most of the other ones on there are friends of ours. But that doesn't mean that they still had to spend as much as they did. Like we have some friend of mine purchased the uh, I love the '80s package which allows you we're going to be doing a 80s melodic death cover ep next year that will involve doing melodic death versions of like new wave and synth wave and and rock songs and so that pledge allows you to not only get like everything that we're offering on the kickstarter but also allows you to pick one of those songs Mm. i pick fascination street by the cure that's all i pick (laughs) i don't I i didn't give any money but i'm just throwing that out there there's a cures cures a great band yeah love the cure uh sweet some bronski beat that's always a good one yeah. who else is who else, who are the, the big boys in the mix there speaking of big boys in the mix joe uh <laughs> tell, 
Sub, sub, baby. Tell us on? about tell us about being the new bass player in the band. Are you on the record? I am not on the record. I joined uh-huh. a little bit, a little bit too late. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been really good so far. I I feel like I've really grown as a bass player already. Um, you know, we have a lot of fun playing at practice and everything. Uh, actually, Brian found me. Um, I was in the market for a computer case on Facebook Marketplace, and he saw a picture of me playing a guitar or something like that on my Facebook, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to?" Uh, play bass in the band and i was like yeah sure man i was i was actually like in retirement you know i had sold like all my gear and everything but uh yeah decided to jump back in because i was at the right point in my life and yeah it's been a it's been a wild ride so far wow he he came in in a very interesting spot because we were in the middle of starting to record the album and he really came in when we were ramping up everything so it was definitely not a dull moment yeah we uh, mm-hmm. based. We ended up hiring a friend of mine from California. His name's Mike Mallory. That uh, we hired to perform on the album, and he did a, a, a killer job. Yeah, definitely some awesome bass parts on the album. And he's not even a metal bass player. He wasn't <laughs> even really familiar with melodic death metal when I asked him to to do it, and he really took to it. He's like, I love this album. <laughs> I think we had to call, call him to turn the string down. Yeah. <laughs> Lower the tuning. No, he did. He did a fantastic job. Yeah. Wow. Very, very cool stuff. Now, I think that normally concludes the questions that I have. Kind of one of the other questions I was going to have is um, one of two things I'm seeing with the, the COVID year and the album being released in September is either that's the way it was always supposed to be or it's been pushed back. So I my my question is, how has this year then gone for you guys? Has it been a blessing in disguise? Has it allowed you to spend more time on other things? Has it not really changed anything, minus obviously not playing shows or doing any tours? It's, um, well, the the album, I mean, technically speaking, the album has been over four years in the making. But starting from when I reformed the band last year, uh, it was originally my original release date was supposed to be October 2019, but we had some latecomers and some issues with uh, some of the band members had some personal issues. So they weren't able to really kind of like sink their teeth into it that early. And then so I decided to push it off till May and or actually, no, technically, no, yeah, it was May, uh, beginning of May. And then as time went on, we weren't even going to get to start recording until uh, February, late February. We were still, yeah, so late February. So then, because the big plan was to do the album, have it done by mid-April, and then do a three-month PR campaign leading up to what we then again changed the release date to July 18th. And this is still before the COVID shutdown. And then COVID hit, and we kept that day in July, but by, like, May, we ultimately decided to keep the show, if we are able to play it, but move the actual CD release until October, hoping that things would change. They still haven't. So even even though the album's coming out, I'm like, look, 
it sucks, but I just want this fucking album out. I'm not pushing it off another year just because we can't play a CD release show. So we'll do a nice big CD release show next year. But it's COVID. So there were issues before COVID, but COVID has definitely put a big damper on things, too, because we couldn't even practice for a couple months. Luckily, we were in the process of doing a lot of mixing and mastering. So technically, we didn't need to practice and obviously weren't doing shows, but it was still it still has caused a bunch of issues. So even like the show that we did have still booked from the previous year in July, uh, got a little bit of backlash even though they were practicing social distancing guidelines and limited capacity, there were a few people that spoke out against us on, on the, the social medias and it was not fun. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, it's like, the thing is they, they were trying to spin it as basically how dare you put people at risk. And like our, our thought process was like, well, what about the people that, want to go to a show nobody's been able to do anything for four months and and then the funny thing about one of the posts that i saw though was that he's like unless you give all your proceeds to the venue which we did in fact Mm -hmm. but he didn't try to check anything about what was going on before he decided to lambaste us on the internet Mm-hmm. so that's how you know you're making it is once you have haters yeah right this is very true. Now, something you mentioned was a CD release party. Some bands have done that online. Is that something you guys have considered doing, uh, like a live stream that you could put up on YouTube or Facebook or wherever? Uh, we've talked about it a little bit, just the logistics of it. The where we play, um, like where we practice, doesn't have um, internet available, and doing that over cellular just seems a little iffy. So we're we're figuring out if we want to record it and then you know polish it and then release it. Or if we do find somewhere to do it live, if maybe a venue wants to host us on their stage, even if the rest of the building's empty. So um, we're looking at that uh, as, as an option, too. But I want to do it right if we do something like that, because it's been just such a such a big project up to this point. Like, I don't want to set up a, an iPhone on a tripod in a corner and, and just hope that it sounds good, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think either way, we will still do, like, a full-on release like we technically do have May twentieth booked next year. Of course, it's arbitrary based on what happens in the world, but uh, we would still like to have a big blowout show if possible, even if it's a double release and it's not till twenty twenty three, which is a tentative date for the third album. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's gonna be a long day. Yeah, <laughs> lots of songs. <laughs> uh, groovy baby. All right. Well, that concludes all of my questions. And I just wanted to thank you guys for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast. Thank you, and thanks again for having us as well. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks, man.